0: Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. KTAR News, 92.3 FM.
1: Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. It doesn't feel like impeachment. And you know what? It's a phony deal. And they cheapened the word impeachment. It's an ugly word, but they cheapened the word impeachment. Ah, 24 hours removed from his first day as... Impeachment clause. Eh. I mean, here we are. We're in a situation where, to be honest with you guys, I'm sitting back and I'm listening all day to the battle going on between uh, Pelosi and the people I've talked to as not just the, the what's happening with her and Mitch McConnell, and and but also people inside of her own party because she's now potentially saying, hey, you know what? Remember that whole thing with impeachment, well, we've impeached him. Well, what about the trial? Yeah, we've impeached him, right? We've impeached him. So that might be good because uh, we're not happy. We have legislation approved by the Rules Committee that will enable us to decide how we will send over the articles of impeachment. We cannot name managers until we see what the process is on the Senate side, and I would hope that that will be soon, as we did with our legislation, our Resolution 660, to describe what the process would be. Uh, So far, we haven't seen anything that looks fair to us, so hopefully it will be fairer and when we see what that is. We'll make a decision as a group, as we always have. Hold on a second. You're withholding something unless you get something you want? Isn't that why we're in this mess? But if it went the way that Trump supposedly did it, you were just going to still give it to him anyways. Hmm. Well, I could do it. It's, It's legal here. I'm kidding. It's funny. Relax. So here's the thing. Just because he's impeached doesn't mean there has to be trial. And now Mitch McConnell is saying, all right, better yet, we'll just, instead of having any trial whatsoever, we'll just dismiss the charges and we'll all move on. Well, Chad, he's he, Mitch McConnell isn't being, uh, uh, you know, he's not being, you know, impartial. No, he's not. Why would he be? Do you think anybody on the left is really impartial? Out of the 100 senators, I'm going to say to myself, self, be honest, how many of them do you think they're honestly impartial in this? Probably count them on one hand. Probably count them on one hand as far as impartiality goes. One hand. Maybe. Maybe. Fill the whole hand up. That's it. And that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Well, this isn't a way a court would run. Well, first of all, it's not a normal court. And if you go back and you actually look at how the justices defined whether or not they're juries, you know, they're part of a jury, you could even debate that because juries don't fact find. Juries don't interview people. Juries don't do any of those things. So it's hard to say you're a jury, and at the same time you're a defender, you're de, you, you, you're you're a prosecutor, and you're defending, and it's, so it's, that's hard to even throw that out there. The reality is, this is all politics. That's all this is. And would I be surprised if she kills it for a while? No. I would not be surprised. I don't think you guys would be surprised. And that just shows you what kind of political game that's being played and know this somebody somebody asked me well one person asked me last night who I love who's a friend of mine I've known for a long time very smart person says hey Chad you know all about this stuff and 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 he, and he loves politics and he says so when does Trump have to go and I said to be honest with you it might be five years <laughs> he goes wait what I go impeachment doesn't mean removal right impeachment doesn't mean removal and that was a person who loves Trump and another person say does Trump, what, does he wait until the beginning of the year and then he leaves, who happened to be somebody who's kind of progressive? And I said, no, there's got to be a trial and all this stuff. It's, It's frustrating. It's divisive. It is what it is. This is the world that we're in right now. And the reality is, is Trump is still president. I don't see any way, shape or form. Any of that is changing. And if the powers that be want to figure out how to defeat Trump, They're going to have to do a better job than this, which they're trying to do, and they're probably going to have to hope and pray that the economy, that it crashes and smashes into the ground and just goes, that's what the economy would probably have to do for Trump to not be reelected. Not saying it's not possible, but judging by what I'm seeing tonight, that's tough. 323-538-2423 323-538-2423 3, 3, 3, at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. for free to tweet at me. A lot of stuff to get to tonight. We're gonna try to squeeze it all in. Great reporter that we have here. Taylor Kinnerup, our reporters are all awesome and, and they are incredible, but she has got a great story about what's going on in the prisons that's actually giving back to the community. That is incredible and how prisoners are helping. The blind with braille. We're going to talk about that. We've also got the comedian and actor, award winning actor, Jeremy Piven, It's going to join the program as well. It's the Chad Benson Show. It's Arizona's news station.
0: Arizona's news station. KTAR News, 923 FM.
2: Chad Benson loves lemonade. No wonder
1: his show is two parts tart to one part sweet. Time for a refill. Cheers. You've seen him in a lot of movies and a ton of stuff. Entourage, obviously, big time there. He is a stand-up comic now, and it was so funny. Jeremy Piven joins us. I was talking to my buddies last night. I said, oh, cool, I'm going to talk to Jeremy Piven tomorrow. Uh, He's here. He's going to be in uh, uh, Arizona, out here in Phoenix, doing some stand-up comedy. They're like, he does stand-up comedy? And I'm like, you guys didn't know he did stand-up comedy? Yeah, he's doing stand-up comedy now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, this is what's great, is that, Somehow, and I'm so incredibly lucky, I have, I have a really great connection with people and, you know, through my movies and TV and whatnot, and people show up and not knowing, not having a reference for me as a comic, and it's an honor. And the fact that, you know, the, you have to take everything I say with a grain of salt because it's me talking about myself. But The comment I get the most is, we had no idea you were this funny. And it's such a backhanded compliment because after 70 movies and 10 years on Entourage and doing that movie, I thought that they had some reference for me as a comedic force. But but listen, I'm making people laugh for an hour and we're all in the same room together and there's nothing better.
1: No, and you know the funny thing is, is because I think we have this thing where you are this, or you are that and maybe you can do some yeah. of those things, but it, it, normally it's the other way around you're a stand-up comic, and then you get the opportunity to do other stuff inside of entertainment world but you've kind of just, I mean, what made you say, hey, you know what, I, I'm going to do this I'm, I'm going to go up on stage, because I do some stand-up comedy, I've done it for a while but then, uh, you know, at, I do so much radio now, it's tough for me to travel around and I got a little one in the whole nine yeah. yards, but it is yeah. the most liberating thing, what made you say you know what? It's terrifying and libertating or liberating. I'm going to jump into this.
2: It, I, I got hooked. Uh, the Laugh Factory put me up with a, a comic named Russell Peters. And we were set to host the evening, raise money for underprivileged kids. And I got up there and I knew how great Russell was. And listen, I've been on stage since I was eight years old. Done a million movies, you know, been acting my entire life. Really prolific. I knew that Russell would crush me on stage because he spent his life as a stand-up so I had to prepare I had to have jokes in my back pocket I never did it before and I got out there and I got to tell you when you get out there and you tell jokes that you think are funny and then they think they're funny it's addictive and I got addicted I went wait a minute there's something here and so I've just been and and, you know I got I got a, a nice work ethic so I've just been getting after it and and getting a great response and getting better and You know, I'm going to be out there with you guys for the New Year's Eve and for the 28th, 29th. And and I, I picked this venue for this time because I love it out there. So I can't wait to get back and get into it.
1: Yeah, you're going to be at the Copper Blues and you're going to be there 28th, 29th. And the thirty first, but you're not doing the thirtieth, yeah. and we're like, What is up with the thirtieth? Are we not like the thirtieth? Are we are we not good with the thirtieth? Yeah. <laughs> you know
2: what that's a great question. When we get off this call, I'm gonna call them and ask them what is going on with the
1: thirtieth. You never know here. Yeah. It, look, it, it, it it's it's a great venue. Place is awesome, but I just thought we were talking about like it's kinda weird. You're gonna be at the copper blues and you're gonna be there twenty 29th, uh and the thirty first. And I'm like, Maybe there's some maybe it's a private party or something, who knows? You know what?
2: I, I, I do I do a full hour, we have an incredible time. I do Impressions, um, stories—you uh, know—from life being on set, observational stuff, and then I get up a copper blues and I play the drums. I, I at one point last time I was a copper blues, some guy just screamed out, "Stop doing stuff!" because I was just doing too much stuff for him.
1: Taking it apparently. all, apparently,
2: so, his head exploded.
1: You, you know, it's funny. You talk about all the stuff you do, and you're on set. I mean, because you, you know, you're not unfamiliar with stand-up because you were a Second City dude and you got all this stuff going as we talked to Jeremy Pivenier. He's going to be out here uh, performing comedy at the Copper Blues. But as we sit there, you're not unfamiliar with it. But when did you decide, man, i got to do this. i got to try this for real. Because, you know, you think to yourself, you craft an art, you talk to any comic, it takes a while to put together something. Like, you're doing an hour. Most people who do an hour, they test it out before they think about doing it on the, you know, they're doing it on tour, they're reading half their notes. Like, you're doing an hour, and it's not like you've got 10, 15 years of stand-up under your belt.
2: You know what, I'm just, it's one of those things where... I, uh, what can I tell you, man? I I guess because it's the same engine, different gear, in the way that I've been so all in my entire life with performing. And I've got, I, I, I love to write on my feet. I love to improvise. I love to entertain people. I've got so, so much of a skill set that hasn't been shown. I've been trying to, you know, rearrange dialogue and add my own stuff and improvise on sets my whole life. And I finally went, wait a minute. Why don't I just embrace the freedom and just get after it, sink or swim? And, you know, in this life, it's so easy to give up or to have someone be negative and just kind of give in and not take a chance. But uh, if you're willing to, you know, to make a fool of yourself, you know, you're going to win it, no matter what arena you're in. And I mean that. You know, I, listen, when I get up there, people are going to give me about a minute of courtesy giggles because they're happy to see me. We know this guy has made me laugh. And then it's all up to me. And I love that pressure. And I love, you know, when when I'm in a screening of something I did, you know, it's we're a year and a half removed from it or I don't get to see the audience. Now I get to see in real time. Do these jokes work? You know, and, I, you know, it sounds so cocky, but I kind of feel in a weird way. Listen, it's totally unorthodox, my journey. Usually you're a stand up and you flip into acting. I'm a prolific actor who's now flip you know flipped the script, and now I'm doing stand-up. Hopefully in two years from now, I'll be totally broke eating ramen noodles on your couch.
1: All right. You're you know doing the mean? Benjamin Button, going backwards and starting down. This is fantastic. When did you, you know, go. Jeremy? When did you know? Uh, you Because, know, you, again, you're a prolific actor. You've been doing a long time. But when did you know I made it? Like, when was the I made it part? Because like, I remember the great uh, Eddie Murphy said it wasn't until, I think, Nutty Professor 2 where he thought to himself, I've made it. When did you know? Well
2: that's crazy about Eddie because he, he and I'm glad you brought him up because I think you know I was just watching him the other night and, and I'm so glad he's getting back into stand up. You know, he's one of these guys where his journey was unorthodox as well. And what's so interesting is we're so willing to accept any comic as an actor. You know, whenever I'm on set and I got someone I don't I don't ask them how long have you been acting? Every time you do stand up, how long have you been doing stand up? So you know we accept anyone that's on a set with us and we embrace them and it's our job to get the best work out of them. Um, I you know I remember grabbing my little French bulldog Bubba, which you can see on my Instagram, and I grabbed him and we were we were we were, we were you know I, I have a a house and with with an all right view and which is sitting there with him and you know every point in our lives we have to say that we made it because we're here and we're alive and I know that sounds so pretentious you know, so spiritual, but like, you know, we can compare and contrast each other all day, you know, and find different reasons to hate ourselves or think that we're not successful, but we have to embrace this journey and happiness is more important than another person's take on success or, or you know what I mean? You know, it, it, I, I think that we just need to, Because, by the way, if you embrace that and if you're happy with the journey and present, you're going to be more successful anyway. Yeah. But if you keep thinking that you deserve more and where are my cookies and you have that energy, um, people aren't going to want to be around you. Very true. So, yeah, I think that we, you know, listen, I struggled for years. I I won the Fresh Face of the Year award at 37. And I said there's nothing fresh about my face when I accepted the award. (laughs) Get nothing. It?
1: Nothing. But You've made it and you're here and you're doing it. So you got uh, two shows on the 28th 7 p.m. and 9.30 at the Copper Blues. Uh, 29th, 7 p.m., 31st, 7 p.m. and you're going to call later on to find out where you're not on the 30th. But uh, Jeremy, man, I, it's going to be great to get out there and see you and I appreciate you coming on and I know you're a busy dude but uh, uh, this is exciting and it's a new journey and, it, and it's good too. I think it gives people a lot of hope out there thinking to themselves, wait a minute, you know, he's, he's not old but he's not young and he's taking on something new and uh, man, I'm looking forward to congrats
2: thank you buddy it's going to be really fun and i look forward to you seeing the show and then we'll we'll talk about it afterwards I'll, I'll get back on the radio and you know what we're almost sold out so if people go and get their tickets now we'll try to add a show on the 30th
1: there you go there you go right on man all i appreciate right, all right, that brother. thank you so much and happy see. holidays merry christmas and uh, we'll see you soon thanks brother thanks at chad benson show twitter c-h-a-d-b-e-n-s-o-n that's jeremy piven right there good dude get out and see him Copper Blues, I'm telling you guys, it's a great place and an interesting place to see We're just talking about it, uh, to see a show. And he's done it in a much different way. But I think funny is funny, and in this day and age, it's not just about giving one liners. It's about doing uh uh I think it's telling stories gets people going. Chad Benson show Arizona's news station.
0: Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. K T A R News, KTAR KTAR news. ninety-two three FM. Ninety two three FM
1: one percent of people who go out on cruise ships are lost at sea. I'm sorry, Wilson. Just saying. Wilson. I'm sorry. We haven't lost anyone. Ramsay.
0: Yes. The Chad Benson Show.
1: I joke all the time about you know we're we're a news station, but I always joke with our with our news people. But the reality is, is we do stuff that ninety nine percent of news stations could never even dream of doing, minus one or two stations in the country, and we have the best reporters around. Taylor's with us right now. Uh, She's incredible. Everybody's just amazing. But we do other stuff that I don't think people realize. And you've got a piece right now that is so amazing, uh, as Taylor Kinder joins us, about what's going on in prisons and how prisoners are giving back in a way that you were like, I didn't see that coming. Tell me about it.
0: So I have this three-part series that started airing this week. It just finished up today, but it's called Braille Behind Bars, and it's a look at prison braille programs in arizona which is a very weird concept but it teaches inmates to transcribe braille which is a really long certification process and we were losing a lot of braillists in the country so we looked at a bunch kind of, of all
1: retiring at once is that what's going on All
0: retiring at once and then about three or four years ago the transcription of braille changed and so the the way that things were translated got updated and switched and people who were towards the end of their career said i'm not dealing with this i'm not recertifying because it takes so long to begin with that they just went into retirement early, but also it's it's a really tough skill to master. And some certifications can take almost a decade. So it was a bunch of people retiring at once. It was a, just a, a perfect storm of things. And so there are really only... A handful of Brailleists in the country, and about a thousand of them reside in prisons across the country. But sixty of some of the most proficient ones are right here in Arizona jails.
1: Talking to Taylor Kinnerup, and you guys have to go to KTR.com and check it out. Not only did you do an amazing job with the reporting and the way you put this thing together, but uh, kudos and a shout out to Matt, our videographer and and production guy here, does the 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 video stuff. It it is it it's like a documentary, and it is incredible. And so you go like, you go into these prisons. First of all, is that a weird thing? Because here you are. I mean, you're young. You're, you know, you're a woman. These are guys who are in prison. They haven't seen probably too many ladies in a long
0: time. And it's got to be intimidating. Well, I'm actually, I'm glad you brought up Matt Bertram because he deserves so many shout outs and kudos and awards, honestly, for what he did with that. I mean, he made the video absolutely stunning visually and and artistically. It's It's done so beautifully. Everyone should look at that purely to praise Matt Bertram. But- I also went to the prisons with Matt Bertram. I went to the Kingman prison and he was my hired gun for the day. And no, I... What's it was like so walking funny? up? So here it you was are so walking up to Because I, I never once went into the prison and was nervous. I, I was nervous about, am I going to ask the right questions? Am I going to use my time well? Am I going to come off like a professional journalist to all of these adults in the room? But at no point did I ever think, oh my gosh, I'm around a bunch of scary criminals. Something bad's going to happen to me. I mean, they gave me the full list of... You can't wear shoes with heels. You can't wear tight clothes. Don't wear any underwire in your bra. Like, I mean, there were all of these things where I was like, okay, I'm going to a prison. I'm going to a prison. And then I walked in and at no point was I nervous or afraid. I was so weirdly at ease with all of these men. And there was actually a moment in the prison where I explained to them what this project was going to be and talked to them about one of the students who's received their work, who credits the fact that she can go to college with the fact that these prisoners made her textbooks and gave them to her for free they they all started to cry. I mean, these were grown men in orange yeah. jumpsuits just had tears on their faces.
1: Talking to uh, Taylor Carpenter, one of our crack reporters here and her you guys got to go to ktr.com and see what she's done here. She's is she's really just showed everybody and gave everybody a glimpse into what's going on in her prison and how prisoners are getting back to society and many of them have taken so much and what are these prisoners like who are they uh, because i think that's one of the big questions i have are, are these low-level offenders but you said it takes up to 10 years to get some of these things so chances are some of these people are doing very real time
0: yeah so they they do have significant sentences i at no point learned what their crimes were i have no idea why they were in jail i'm not even allowed to say the unit as to keep that security uh, to keep that information secure But I felt like even if I could have given that information, I think even though it's something that people question when they read this, oh, I wonder what that person did. I wonder X, Y, and Z. I think it negates from the story. I don't think that is the story. I think the story truly is, what are you doing now? I think we all have a past. I think everybody in this story has something in their past that's brought them to this point. But the entire story is, what are we doing now? What are we doing as a state to affect recidivism rates? What are we doing for our blind students? What are blind students doing to be on the same level as their peers, what are they doing to excel past their peers yeah. and how is this program doing it for them?
1: You know, when you when you uh, like my a few of my things, and then I actually talked to you know Pablo here, one of our producers, works with Gatos and them, and we were chatting, because you know, if you ever watch Locked Up in any of these things, the fear factor is they're always trying to come up with unique ways to figure out how to get around the system to communicate to the outside. I'm sure that's one of the things that they said, okay, we're gonna teach these guys Braille, but we're also giving them something that potentially they could use. Was that something that was ever brought up?
0: Yeah, actually, it was very interesting. Uh, As we walked into the prison, one of the women in the educational aspects of the program, uh, she's considered almost a teacher in this program. She is one of their vision specialists. She goes to Braille conferences. She's fully immersed in this. She mentioned that in Arizona jails, we have a, a rule that you can't get a full bachelor's degree. Within an Arizona jail, they felt it was unfair for a prisoner to rack up as many degrees as they wanted to while doing hard time when other people have to pay for their degree in different ways and do it over long periods of time. understandable. I gotta so be honest with you there. This is actually in Arizona prisons, the only real skill and certification you can get within a jail. And this is a skill that takes years to master and get certified in. And they get certified through the U.S. Library of Congress. So it is an official certification and it's good for them in eight different countries.
1: How do you how do they get on this? Because I'm sure, you know, like everything working is a when you get some of these things, it's a privilege. How do they get to the point where they're they're allowed to do something like this?
0: So from from what I grasped while in prison, it was especially because a lot of them started with just a few people in these programs. And now it's grown. Actually, in the past four years, the Foundation for Blind Children has doubled the number of prisoners that are in this program. So it went from 30 to 60 nearly, in the past four years. And it came from people who had higher level degrees. It came from people who were not being used to their fullest extent and people who were asking for it, people who wanted to gain the knowledge, people who wanted the opportunity to see this as, okay, when I get out of here, this is a real skill set that I can use. And even if it's not Braille, they have a full system. They have, I don't even know the best way to describe it, but it's almost like an assembly line. It's a production. It's a high level of production yeah. because they're producing over 150,000 pages of Braille every year.
1: Last question, talking to Taylor up, an amazing story. You got to check it out. There's so many questions I can ask you, but the last question I want to ask you is the takeaway from the prisoners. Some of them got out. I'm sure they're doing better. And the recidivism rate we talked about, you know, you you you're giving people an opportunity to get back in society. But again, a lot of them have taken so much. What does this do for them, though, knowing what they're doing?
0: It was very interesting talking to to the people in the program and also the man who I spoke to who had left the program and all of them described what it was like to have a purpose for living. This isn't we wake up and we go do a job. It's not like I mean, I think a lot of people outside of prison have this mundane mentality of I have to get up and I have to do this thing. And it's just because I have to. This is something that enthralls them. I mean, it it motivates them and has there's a fire in them for it they talk about oh we see things in braille now i'll read a book for fun and i think how would i braille this how would i braille that and also one of the student that i had to talk to maggie she talked about how she had such a high level curriculum only because people in prisons were sitting there thinking how can i braille this for her she took a class on ancient europe and they had ancient maps of europe brailed for that's amazing. her. I mean, she was taking ancient cartography because somebody sat there and thought, how can I make this map visible to somebody without vision?
1: Incredible. Check it out for yourself. Go to KTR.com. Taylor Kenner. and again, what Peter Seymour does, what Matt Bertram does, what all of our reporters do, Ashley and Nylea and 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 you know you could tell everybody here in this in this group and, and Martha and the staff is amazing, and it is second to none what we do, and this is uh, hit it out of the park as always, Taylor. I Appreciate you coming on today. Merry Christmas. You, You're welcome. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. It's the Chad Benson Show. It's Arizona's news station.
0: Arizona's
1: news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Got that sniffling, sneezing, stuffy head thing going on? Time for your daily dose of vitamin
0: chat. You're only going to see this ad once. It's no coincidence
1: that during tonight's debate, Cory Booker will hit the air with his first TV ad of the campaign.
0: I won't be on tonight's debate, stage.
1: Booker did not meet qualifications for tonight's debate and is trying to target those who are paying attention to the debate. Democrats have argued the rules are too strict to qualify for debates and the candidates of color get excluded. But the DNC argues with so many candidates still running, it has to place limits on them. Tonight, seven have made the cut. Yeah, and it's the usual people that we see as far as holding their own in certain areas. Amy Klobuchar, she just got in there. Tom Steyer, he's made noise for a long time in this political world, long before he decided to run for president. He was on CNN 24 hours a day trying to get Trump impeached. But on top of that, you've got the usual Warren, now Pete Buttigieg, who's becoming, let's not pretend, he is a force right now in the Democratic Party. Uh, on the other side uh, uh, of, you know, that you've got the usual Joe Biden, and you've got Bernie Sanders. Then you've got Andrew Yang. And Andrew Yang has picked a lane, and the lane is the yang he does his thing. He is, you know, he's hanging out with Donald Glover today. He's doing all the things that he thinks he needs to do to get his message across for the people that he's trying to reach. He's not trying to reach the 65-year-old. He's reaching a certain group of people that are going to continue to keep him here for for a while. I don't think he's going to, unless he bows out sooner rather than later on his own terms going, all right, I'm not going to get this, and which I don't think he is but he is he's there and he's doing it in a much different way and i the over under how many minutes do you think you know he's going to get tonight i said he's probably going to get 5 minutes maybe 7 and then tomorrow it's going to be let andrew talk more because what's going to happen is there are four people up there tonight that are going to get a majority of the questions and the other ones are gonna to have to fight over the scraps or butt in. And one thing that Andrew Yang doesn't do is he doesn't butt in. He's not one of those people that pushes the envelope. He doesn't jump at stuff. And the other thing, he gets succinct answers. So you tell him there's 30 seconds or a minute, or whatever it is that the, the the rules are, and they have, you know, usually a minute, and then you have 30 seconds to, as a rebuttal after somebody shoots something at you can go back at them. He's gonna give you one minute on the nose. And then they'll say something and he'll give you 37 seconds, if that. He's just not that guy. And in a day and age where, as we all know, personality in a lot of ways rules the day, that's a tough thing but the hipsters like him, and that's really all that matters, right? 323-538-2423 3, 3, 3, At Chad Benton show is your Twitter. What to do, what not to do in this gift-giving season. Not to go all screw, Johnny, but you might want to think twice before buying your boss a holiday gift.
2: Number one, it compels the boss to give something back. And number two, it often turns into almost a competition. Who is giving the best, priciest, the most luxurious gift? Attorney Philip Weiss with consulting firm Safe Arthur at Work says instead, ask your supervisor to take part in a secret Santa things
1: like grab bags where everyone can pull a gift but be sure to include some monetary limits so no one feels that they have to spend too much and never require employees to take part yep, yeah, true uh, I give some stuff you know people I closely work with will get some stuff and other people nah, not so much uh, because I just, you know, I mean, you know, how do you pick and choose? And it's one of those things too, where I've noticed it working in an office now because for years before I came out here to KTAR, I had my own studio and I did everything there. And, uh, and it was just kind of my own thing. I had my lizards. They all got their presents and yes, I do get them presents and they have stockings and ha ha ha. But it's a weird thing because even here as close as we are, there's still the, like the sales teams over in the news team. Everybody's got their close little community they work with outside of that. Uh, but yeah, you know, as a boss, if you want to give me a present, I'm not gonna say no. Hmm, cran. Hmm three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. It's the Chad Benson Show Arizona's news station.